Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's good out there. Buonasera everybody, Matt Guy here. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, it's your mash. Stu here, hello. <laughs> <laughs> what an international flavour that was. So I, that. <laughs> I, I was going to go for Vilcommon again, but then I, I just thought, no, because I'm, I'm bound to fuck it up for the second time in a row. And just throw me under the bus and leave leave my part in last week. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, how many times have you watched Mum and Dad since last episode? I've watched it twice since we, uh, we last recorded. I watched it yesterday. Um... Because well, but when we come to what we've watched later on, but yeah, I watched I watched it last night before I went to bed, just because I was I needed something to cheer me up. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched it again, but I've been recommending it to anybody that will listen, and pretty much everybody that won't, to be fair, um, <laughs> just because I think it's something that people should see and and something that won't have come on their radar but needs to be. Yeah, you do get this funny look from folks when you sort of describe it a little bit, but. It's like we said last week, though. It's just a great film. Yeah, as soon as you said, oh, yeah, the parents turn and kill the kids. And then I look at you like you've gone mental. <laughs> yeah, especially when you say, no, no, it's a comedy of sorts. <laughs> <laughs> so last time, mate, on the Question Cast, we did our top five Will Ferrell films. Uh, and we have had somebody send in a clip of them giving us their top five. <laughs> Well, hello there. It's David back again from a Daft Question podcast, and I'm here to give you my top five Will Ferrell films. Now, I'm a big, big fan of Will Ferrell, so this was quite interesting to try and get this down to a, a top five, but I think I've been able to manage it, so here we go. Uh, number five, uh, perhaps one of his less comedic roles, but no less, it's such a great film and a great performance from Will Ferrell in Stranger Than Fiction. Uh, so, this is a film about Will Ferrell, who's like an IRS uh, insurance man, who um, finds one day that his life is being narrated by Emma Thompson. He can start hearing this voice narrating what he's doing, and he's going to try and find out why Emma Thompson's voice is narrating everything he's doing. It's interesting because once Will Ferrell stops doing any kind of slapstick role, you actually find that in certain situations in certain serious roles or kind of normal roles. Will Ferrell does actually do quite well. Um, it's still got obviously a hint of comedy to it. It's probably not as serious as a film he did, I think, called Everything Must Go, which was a bit more of a, a serious film from Will Ferrell. But uh, yeah, number five, Stranger Than Fiction. Uh, number four, I'm going to go with Elf. It's such a great Christmas film. I love how Will Ferrell plays this kind of childish adult who has had no world of the real world as it were and he comes to New York to find his dad and everything he sees is absolutely fantastic it's still the bit when he goes past that coffee shop that has the sign that says world's best coffee and he goes in and says congratulations to everybody for apparently having the world's best coffee it's got so many great Christmas tropes in it it's one of those films that it's fine to put on and again and again even not at Christmas I'm not really a fan of watching Christmas films not at Christmas but I think it was really the early days of showing how Will Ferrell was going to become a big star, and it's a great film. Uh, number three is The Other Guys. This is the film, the cop film he did with Mark Wahlberg. When I first saw this at the cinema, I was a bit indifferent about it, but I found that once you watch it a couple of times more afterwards, like a lot of Will Ferrell films, you, 
you get a lot of the comedy, you, you spot things you perhaps missed before, and I think his calm demeanour, but when he comes out quite angrily against Mark Wilberg's character, who's always kind of brash all the time, works really well. I think there's a lot of great character traits about Will Ferrell in that film as well, especially when you find out that he used to be a pimp halfway through, and some of that character comes out of him as the film goes on. Uh, but yeah, other guys, it's a great thought for Will Ferrell, and it's one of those films that say that it's one of those ones where you watch it two or three times and you you learn to appreciate the film more and more. Uh, number two is Zoolander. Now, this is, again, one of my favourite films. I know it's not Will Ferrell starring in it, but he's one of the sub-characters in it. But I love how he seems to play this kind of demented uh, fashion designer who, when you compare him to Zoolander in scenes, he looks quite sane. But I think, again, it's another a great performance from Will Ferrell who... He's kind of shown trying to expose some of the flaws that are in the fashion industry and it's got some great lines in it that I'll never forget. It's that relationship he has with his, almost like he's a PA assistant as well at times, which is really funny, especially the one uh, about coffee, when he throws the coffee over his PA assistant and the, the grunts and the facial expressions they give in this particular like 10 second moment is fantastic. And number one, it's going to be the only one that can be number one with Will Ferrell, and that's Anchorman. It is probably one of my favourite films of all time, um, tied there, or just behind Back to the Future and Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. It's just a film that I can quote and quote and quote to death. I could put it on at any time. It's a comfort film, and I could still get a laugh out of it any time I watch it. And it's just a great, again, a great performance from Will Ferrell, who plays this quite kind of egotistical, um, boastful uh, character who nothing he can do is wrong. And again, it's just fantastic. And I know now as years have gone on, perhaps it gets a bit more mixed reactions or people have had Anchorman shoved down their throat a bit too much. But I love it. I think it's a a great Will Ferrell film and it's a great performance from him as well. Uh, We've also had a tweet in. From Tom Kearney. Matt, would you like to tell us what Tom's top five was? Yeah, I mean, no major surprises here, um, though there's one in number five. I don't think we mentioned, or if we did, it was in, um, it was only in passing, really. But his top five would be Zoolander in number five, uh, Elf number four, The Other Guys in number three, Step Brothers number two, and then Anchorman number one. Uh, who was it here that hasn't seen The Other Guys yet? Mm. Was it you, Stu? Yeah, I still ain't seen it now. Come oh, on. Uh, I've got it ready. It's, it's next to Kingsman <laughs> in the shame pile. Oh, in the shame pile. Well, thanks to Tom for sending his list in. Um, again, apart from Zoolander for me, uh, Elf, I don't think made my list, but I recognise it as pretty much something that everybody, like the majority of people that like Christmas films love. Any of the other films would have made my list or in some order, in some capacity. So, yeah, I think... I think what we learned from the Will Ferrell episode is actually he's a bit more Marmite than I probably would have realised first, like before we asked the questions, that not everybody quite likes him quite as much as I thought I did and maybe that Jordan did. Yeah, no, I, I just automatically presumed that he was one of these people that, oh, it's a Will Ferrell film, let's all go and watch it kind of thing and mm-hmm. very, very wrong. Yeah, I mean, you always say that I hate fun. <laughs> and because I don't particularly care for Will Ferrell, I just assumed it was me. But no, you are right. Marmite, I think, is the, the word for the man. 
Uh, we've also had a couple of questions sent in on the Twitter. Obviously, make sure you give us a follow on Ask Cage Fighting Pod or email us on cagefightingpod at gmail.com. Uh, Matt, what questions have we had, please? So, yeah, we've had a couple of questions from our listeners, so thank you very much. The first one from uh, Todd across the shore. Uh, what is your favourite, favourite, easy for me to say, George Romeo <laughs> film? Andy, go with you. Oh, George Romero. Yes. Um, such a tough choice because I, I do love Dawn of the Dead. I think it's an absolute masterpiece. But at the same time, I think that Night of the Living Dead mm-hmm. sort of defined the genre. I think you don't get Dawn of the Dead without uh, Night of the Living Dead first. So oh, it's probably Night just because of its uh, wider importance, personally. That's absolutely fair. I think you have to acknowledge what came before it and inspiration, and 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 you don't you know what you what you what you don't get because of it. I completely appreciate that. Stu, any advance on that? What's the one that's in the shopping centre? That's Dawn. Yeah, that's that's the one I was because I, I always get them completely confused. Yeah, that's that's always my with my favourite. I've watched that probably more times than I've watched any other horror film, really. Strangely enough. Yeah, it's, it's excellent. I've got to say, I'm a big fan of the remake. I know a lot of people shit on remakes generally, and a lot of people shit on Zack Snyder, but it's an excellent film. It's so good. It's one of the first like proper zombie films I remember seeing at the cinema. Mm, yeah. Definitely. Um, what's the name? It's, it's proper jumped out of my head. The uh, game that came out, the zombie game, set in the shopping centre. Yeah. They've made a few remakes of it since. Um, left for Dead? No, not Left for Dead. Christ, it's going to really annoy me now. This is. Let me come back to it. Anyway, it's it's heavily influenced um, so many like zombie computer games on the back of it. Um, it's set in a shopping centre. There's loads of different endings that you can I do. Know, I, I can picture it. I was just trying to think. Dead Rising? Dead no. Rising, that's it? it, Dead Rising. So the first yeah, Dead Xbox. Rising. The first Dead Rising um was set in a shopping centre. It was like it was so heavily influenced and there's loads of like freaks of different um different bosses that you fight and everything. And it was amazing and that was that was one of the things that brought me back to it in the first place. Um Dawn of the Dead, that is. Um because of the theme, we're just going to jump to one that we had on WhatsApp before we hit back to um our other questions on Twitter. Um Goldie sent us a question. Do you have any movies slash TV specials that you watch every Halloween? We all have Christmas ones, but do you have them for any other seasons? Stu, you obviously love a Christmas film. That's undebatable. But do you have any other (laughs) Christmas, uh, sorry, any TV specials or movie specials that you watch at a particular time of year? Not really. <laughs> I know he's gold is proper into Halloween and he decorates his house and everything like we were talking about earlier on before we started recording. And he um no no other kind of no other festival or period of time really gets that with me. I mean, you could probably say Thanksgiving for planes, trains, and automobiles because that's just brilliant anyway. But apart from that. I mean, I, I mean, you don't I watch through... um, you don't watch the Passion of the Christ at Easter. <laughs> <laughs> I only I only watched that once, and that was uh, that was a mistake. That was uh, I, I used that as a date film. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Thinking that it was going to be one of them that you don't have to concentrate on very much. <laughs> yeah, that was that was an error. No, I mean, I'd normally where I have done that, I've I've played spooky games. 
last few years. And actually, there's one that is out on, well, by the time you're hearing this last Friday, um, Little Hope in the uh, Dark Pictures anthology, mm-hmm. which he's ordered and ready for delivery. So I'll be playing that over the weekend. Um, but yeah, apart from that, films and TV shows, not really. It's more games because it's scarier. Mm-hmm. What about you, Andy? Not really. Um, I, I watch horror films all year round, so I wouldn't make a concerted effort in October just because it's Halloween. It's something that I, it's one of my favourite genres, so I, I tend to just dive in as and when. Mm. Um, the last few years, what I have watched, um, BBC TV did a, a mockumentary, and the name escapes me at the minute, uh, Ghost. Ghost Watch, and it's from the early nineties. It's got Parkinson in and uh, Craig Charles, mm-hmm. and it's basically it's set in a studio, and they've got Craig Charles. He's out and about. He's at someone's house who claims to have ghosts there, and it's set like it's a normal TV show where they're investigating the paranormal, and then shit actually starts to go south. And at the time, nobody knew that it was a mockumentary, oh, that okay. it was not supposed to be real. And the last couple of years, I have watched it, and I've got to admit, it is quite nerve-jangling at times, mm. especially because it's people you don't associate with that. So you wouldn't associate Mark, Michael Parkinson with acting at all, let alone acting yeah, in a horror yeah, yeah. setting. It, it's a fantastic watch. I'd thoroughly recommend that. Yeah, that sounds... Um... That sounds pretty good, to be fair. It, it reminds me, um, well, obviously, because this is a mockumentary, so it's not at all. But did you ever watch Grave Encounters, the Canadian um, found footage film? No, I've not um, seen that. It's basically following a Derek Acora type show that knows it's fake as they go mm-hmm. and set up camp in a, I think it's an abandoned uh, psychiatric hospital. And then shit goes south. But it's funny because you're following a film crew that are filming a fake show that they know is fake with a hokey presenter and then shit actually goes south and it's really entertaining and it shit me right up. Um, okay. And in answer to Goldie's question, whenever we'd had, we'd had Halloween parties, we'd always put on either Insidious or The Shining. So we, we had one. We, we'd either put one of those two films on as kind of a um, yearly ritual that, that we enjoyed. Mm. But um, apart from that, no, I don't think there's any other seasons that really... I suppose, do you, is there any kind of summer films that you'd put on that encapsulate summer, I guess, like a road trip kind of film or something like that, maybe? Cool. Obviously, <laughs> uh, May the 4th, I will watch at least <laughs> two or three Star Wars films <laughs> mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. And generally on my birthday, I like to watch Home Alone 2, even though it's like May 20th, so it's <laughs> the middle of the year. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and we've got one final question from um, Big Tits Tight Snatch. Fantastic name. Um, let me grab that for you now. So, Stu, you've almost kind of answered this one. Um, so, <laughs> inspired by Will Ferrell, before Netflix existed, Anchorman was the film the big tits would put on in the background when entertaining, I say, in closed captions. What was your go-to backing film for trying to get that sweet, sweet undershirt over bra action? See, now, I don't even know what that... Why is it over bra? What is... What's it... I I wasn't I didn't want to ask and I'm glad that you have searched. So. Because <laughs> I never because obviously well hopefully you'd be under both in, in that kind of situation. Um I've said this before. I've 
the closest I've ever got to this is watching <laughs> having soccer special on in the background. Oh my lord! And um, <laughs> but soccer special, not we, not um, soccer Saturday, so it was Jules and not mm, okay. Okay. Uh, Jeff Stelling. So you don't have Charlie Nicholas and all them lot of lunatics <laughs> in the background. So, <laughs> but hearing uh, oh, there's, a, there's a goal at Swindon. And then it kind of ruins the moment, so you just turn around and mute it. But now it's all about the passion for me. So it's a it's a nil and void for this question. Oh my god! I can't wait to cut that clip out. It's all about the passion. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, do you have any go tos uh, at all for uh, for entertaining? Not particularly. I think you'd need something that you've seen several times before. The last time I remember having a film on in the background, it was the second Planet of the Apes, um, the Andy Serkis ones, mm-hmm. which I can't even remember which Rise one. Rise of the Planet of the Apes, would have, that one would have been um, Rise, right, okay. War. So there was Rise, War, and there was another one. Anyway. But it was the second one of the, the latest trilogy, and I hadn't seen it before, which was a mistake, because it's a really good film. So get your hands off me, Devil Woman. I'm trying to watch. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> was it wasn't the, um, the best of choices. Was the woman in question particularly hairy at the time, or were you getting no. confused? <laughs> no, not at all. So back in my um, back in my stud days, when at university and before, I um, I used to have a film, one film in particular, that was my go-to, uh, and that was The Descent. The horror film. Oh, brilliant! And not, and not, and not for like the the pun related reasons either. It was more to do with like it was terrifying the film in general, and it was trying to go for the old adage of you know put a scary film on, let's cuddle up with a scary film. I'll keep you safe. I'll keep you, you know. Uh, and that was my go-to. I'm not ashamed to say it. And but, you were um, more scared at the end. And I was more scared at the end, and I was like, let's please keep the lights on. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to get down in your cave now. <laughs> Yes, exactly. There'll be no potholing this evening. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, thank you for the questions, everybody. Get, uh, keep them uh, coming in. And we like to have these off-the-wall ones that we can uh, have <laughs> unprepared, <laughs> unadulterated and X-rated. Did you see the addendum to Big Tits's uh, <laughs> question? Uh, I did. More, well, I think it was more um, a side note. This is more for Matt and Stu because I get the feel, feeling Andy would be furious at someone inter- interrupting a film with their tits. I guess like, the one thing which is okay to interrupt a film with is boobs. I- I'm quite happy with boobs over a film. Just just for the record. Oh, okay. Fair play. Just for the record. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think we'll move on from the questions and we'll talk about this week's news. Tom Hanks' latest trailer has dropped. It's called News of the World. He's reuniting with director Paul Greengrass. I've got to say, as someone who isn't a massive fan of Tom Hanks, Captain Phillips is one of the best performances I've seen of him in the last decade or so. Mm -hmm. And obviously that was with uh, Paul Greengrass. So I'm I'm actually quite looking forward to this one for a change for a a Tom Hanks film. Do you both like uh, Paul Greengrass? Obviously he did the, the, the best Bourne films as well, didn't he? I love the Bourne films, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a very strange kind of change of pace for him with this one, by the looks of things. So I'm yeah, very, massively different. very it's intrigued a, by it, Yeah, it's a Western setting, which obviously we haven't really seen from Paul Greengrass, who's more of a, a fast-cutting director who uh, 
spoke to the other tension, so I'm, I'm intrigued how this one's going to play out. I really am. Mm, be interesting to see if he goes the other way with it as to trying to get away from the, the tropes that you'd mentioned, actually. Does it become a bit of a plodding trek across <laughs> across mm. the wilderness as the plot of the film seems to be but you know it's we'll give it the time of day i'm sure and i'm sure you know i'm i'm a quite a big fan of hank so i think he'll 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 put in a good performance um but we'll see it's an interesting one the the last like western film that really gripped me was um true grit and if you if you'd watched that it was a while ago now the um, remake yeah the remake yeah really loved it I mean, I was I was I was never really into westerns in the first place, and like when we had to, when I studied at university, we were studying spaghetti westerns. It was like get me to French film as soon as possible, and that never happens. So it was like, um, so I'm not sure. Well, the the jury's out on it. Yeah, uh, the other bit of news that I saw this week I was quite interested in. The Meg is getting a sequel. <laughs> Ben Wheatley confirmed as director. Like Ben Wheatley, who was associated with TV work and fairly low-budget films, getting a crack at the big time. Obviously, he's the director who did Ideal with Johnny Vegas. I don't know if you ever saw that. Oh, what a series that is. I, I'm, Brilliant. I'll be amazed if that's on BBC America. and Or if, if it is, if anyone overseas gets it at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's a very British sensibility, but it's such a good series. So I'm really excited to see what Ben Wheatley's going to do when he's given a big budget. And apparently he's also listed for the next Tomb Raider film, the, the Tomb Raider sequel. Interesting. Yeah, she, um, I presume she's back as well. Have you seen it now? Yeah. No, still haven't seen it. I uh, know oh it's it's on the list and other things keep uh, jumping ahead of it, unfortunately. We'll try and get it done because I am at the moment trying to complete Tomb Raider, the game. So I was thinking once I've done that, I was going to watch the film. Is that the rebooted ones that, like where they had Rise of the Tomb Raider and those ones? Yeah. Bloody excellent. Yeah, they uh, are really good. I'm on Rise of the Tomb Raider. I'm right at the end and then I've decided to go back to the start and try and 100% it before completing it. <laughs> oh, <nice>. Yeah, <laughs> Which my... was probably a mistake. You can do it afterwards. Just complete it and then you go back. Like in the first one. I, there's no word on whether or not the Stath is returning for the Meg sequel. I really hope he is, because like, he wouldn't be the same without Jason Statham, to be honest. He should really be in every film every week, really. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be too disappointed if he like just had a cameo in everything. It'd be great. Yeah. He, could, he, could, he could just do it on the green screen from home, and it'd be the, the same performance. So, <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely, because let's be honest, even when he's trying to put on an American accent, it's still basically a Cockney accent. <laughs> I don't, well, this, mm, I'm going to say Transporter 2 is slightly better than usual. I can't remember if I've seen the sequel. Uh, Have there been three? Yeah. don't know if I've seen the sequels in that one. I do love a bit of Statham, though. Like He's just one of those actors that he's genuinely good fun in, again he's a bit like nick cage i suppose in those terms the film might not always be the best but he always puts in a watchable performance he's is like a british a, is it, sorry Jake, go on. That's like, he's like a british steven seagal in a way <laughs> i'm thinking once we do we cage fighting do we put in a transfer request and we call the pod chase and statham go from there <laughs> i like it i like it yeah I, i'll make a note of that one for uh a year and a half time. 
Just equip us, guys. <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> Share. So we'll move on to the questions for the week. And what have you been watching lately? Stu, do you want to start us off? Do we all just want to talk about what we've all watched collectively watched together first? Well, I, I thought we'd do that at the end. So we'll talk about the other stuff and then we will give our reviews on the big release of the week. Okay, so I've, I've watched um, a couple of things. One that, amazingly, I'd never seen before, which was Rampage. <gasps> did you, great. Did you play <laughs> Rampage back in the day? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, 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 had it on, I played it on the Atari, I played it on the PS1, played it on PS2. It's one of them, it's a stupid game, and it always has been. And for whatever reason, this film was just missed completely. So... It was we were just scrolling through because of the uh, TV issues, so I was relegated to my uh, gaming room for the week, and we were just looking at some, something to watch, and it wasn't me who suggested it either, and because he just saw the Rock's face, and oh, should we watch that one? Yeah, okay. So we put it on, and it's glorious, absolutely glorious. It knows exactly, yeah. it knows what it is. It's stupid, CG is a bit shit, and it's one of them very rare things where it's. It's based on a game, obviously. Um, I don't know if it's, it's obviously for people younger than what, 20, mid-20s. Will they even know what Rampage is? Probably not. I no. mean, it's a, it was an arcade game way, way back, wasn't it? That's its genesis. Yeah, so, yeah, it's just really good fun. Really stupid two hours. So I'd recommend that to anyone. And the other one was the complete opposite end of the spectrum called... Um, it was a... a Little documentary that's based on the coronavirus, which is all all nice and fun for everyone. <laughs> um, called Totally Under Control, and it's been. It's not like a propaganda film. It's just facts about how the US ha- have handled things and how things could have been very different. And it's compared to Korea, and it's all they got people with the CDC and people who've worked that and worked on the projects and some of the mistakes that have happened. It was what, two hours again, really fascinating stuff, but. Like I said, I had to, it was quite saddened because you look at how shit we've done it over here as well. And I need something happy to watch there. So that's why I watched Mum and Dad again afterwards. <laughs> yeah, so that was my uh, my observations for the week. Matt, how about yourself? So I'd watched um, Beyond the Mat as it's come on Netflix now. Uh, UK Netflix, which is 1999 documentary on um, professional wrestlers kind of outside the ring in their lives. And it definitely looks at the darker side of professional wrestling and, and kind of steroid abuse, um, uh, drug abuse in general, the kind of families that, and how they are put um, to one side, really, to, for the common goal of, of, you know, being a wrestler. And it's quite harrowing in it, it but what is, is entertaining about it is actually you see these wrestlers that now are huge mega movie stars like The Rock. You see them pre-Hollywood and, and some old favourites. And the the kind of story now, sorry to everybody here that, that doesn't like wrestling, there'll be plenty of you, <laughs> no doubt. But the follows Jake the Snake Roberts around for quite a while and he, who during the filming of the show is on crack and how bad he is um, 
at that stage of his life. There's another documentary, I'm not sure if it's still on Netflix now, called The Resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts, which is mm. really excellent as well. And it shows him with DDP and trying to get sober again. And now he's a part of AEW and it seems like he's got a real hold of his of his demons. And it's, an, it's a really kind of good real life tale to actually see something that i really hope he, you know he, he maintains because he's he's a legendary figure in wrestling and something completely non-wrestling and heartwarming uh though, though funny i've been watching a lot of uncle roger videos i don't know if you've heard of uncle roger okay no. so this is a does it fry all over again this is um <laughs> uncle roger's basically this malaysian comedian who um i've only seen him it's like the goggle box craze that I'm really into. He watches other people's videos and comments on them, but he watches people like cook egg fried rice and then critiques them as he's going along. But he's really funny. His editing's really funny. Um, and he, he does one with Gordon Ramsay, watches Gordon Ramsay do egg fried rice. And he's probably the only one so far where he actually respects what he does. So he, he's called him uncle Ramsay. And it's just the way it's, it, you need to watch them. It's, it's quite funny the way, the way he edits it and the way he, he talks about it. And, um, it's just quite, it's one of those silly five minute things when you've, when you've got five minutes to spare, I'll just stick on one of those videos and, and, and have a laugh with it. How old is that? Not, well, I, th- I think it's come into popularity like now, really. It might, it might be older than that, but I've only known about it in the last kind of couple of weeks. Hmm. It is good for, it's good fun though, because Gordon Ramsay's doing it himself. Now he's watching a lot of people's videos. He'll send him in them cooking for Gordon Ramsay to rate and he'll just slag them off and it's hilarious uh, and then but Uncle Roger does it to Gordon Ramsay and that's quite funny as well uh, uh, in looking for that um, Jake the Snake thing on Netflix announcement Andy Netflix Christmas films are starting already already there's, I know there's some out like in the next couple of weeks but I don't know there's some out now Holiday with Emma Roberts oh I love Emma Roberts exactly this is this is our, our little thing from last year where we discovered that we both love shitty Netflix Christmas films. And yeah, the ones with um, Liv from iZombie. Yeah. I, I love that one. That was just the shittiest thing ever. And the, <laughs> the Christmas Prince trilogy. Yeah, the Christmas Prince trilogy. And there's the other one with uh, Vanessa yeah. Hudgens where she also has a doppelganger. They're just so bad, but... <laughs> enjoyable pap really i think is the best way to put them <clears throat> so for myself this last week i have watched i watched the social dilemma mm-hmm. which i can't remember but i think one of you two gents oh, recommended see. very good i mean i'm not on facebook anyway but i can see why so many people deleted their apps after watching that film really? excellent really really well made and Apart from the message as well, it's actually a fantastically well-made documentary, mixing uh, acting with the documentary story part of it. Really well done. Very impressed. And the other film that I watched was a film called The Trial of the Chicago 7, which I thought was absolutely incredible. So it's about seven people who are on trial in Chicago, as the name tells you, Basically, they go to the Democratic Party Ooh. conference back in the, I think it was the 70s, because it was during the Vietnam War. Uh, they are at the scene of a crime, basically, when um, a riot breaks out amongst their peace-loving friends. They're the ones who get held up, and they're the ones who get put on trial for conspiring to start a riot. 
and it's got a very so obviously a very strong political message about stuff back then but it probably rings true now Sasha Baron Cohen's in it and as I said to you two gents in our group chat I would not be surprised if he gets an Oscar nomination for best supporting actor it was absolutely incredible I think it was just under two hours yeah, just knock a, yourself out it's yeah. brilliant 68, 1968. Joseph Gordon-Levitt as well. Yeah, and... Um, Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne, yeah. Got a that's really good cast. That's on the list. Frank Lang... Yeah, Frank Langella is the judge in it. And, like, you genuinely hate his guts. He's horrible. So well acted. It's it's incredible. Yeah, I think... Um, I'd recommend it to anybody because it's just a good courtroom drama with a political bent to it. Mm. Fantastic. So the other film that we've all watched also stars Sasha Baron Cohen (laughs) and was released last Friday in our terms, but obviously it was two Fridays ago when this dropped, and that would be the Borat sequel. Matt, (laughs) what did you think of the film first before we get into the the minutiae? Did you enjoy it? Was it good, bad? was good for all the wrong reasons or I should say the reasons that I didn't expect it to be good and those being those those reasons being actually its, its story and its themes were a lot better than what I expected from it which would be shock factor and kind of laugh out loud moments which I think were in kind of shorter supply than I expected but actually its its story arc carried it really really well like I was invested so much more than I thought I was going to be in actually the story that they were going with, not the shock, the shocking antics of the film itself. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Stu, what were your initial thoughts? Almost word for word that again. It was because <laughs> like, of how brilliant the first one was. And I, I did think, is this like taking an old joke and running with it and being so long between films and would it stand up now? Because, I mean, for context, I think me more than likely it was me and Goldie went to watch the original one, and we'd be, we'd been drinking wine in the pheasant of all places <laughs> beforehand, <laughs> and it was absolutely steaming before we went in there. So it was obviously ten times funnier than it was anyway in that circumstances. And when I, I've only seen it a couple of more times because I I loved that experience so much, I didn't want to kind of down it a little bit. I think like, just mm. leave it as it is. <clears throat> But where this when this came up and I thought I'd take Friday, and then it was on Prime as well, and we'd have to get through nefarious means to get hold of it. It was on as soon as the kids were in bed. It was it was one of them things, and I, yeah, the acting from I'm going to get a name wrong anyways, but the daughter was absolutely superb. It was brilliant. It was just a, yeah, it was just really well made. I mean, it kind of. In a way, it was ruined because the thing about the um, the hillbilly song, the hillbilly festival, I'd seen that and I shared it at the time when it was on Twitter. What he was the um, the song they <laughs> sing, um, like the Saudis do, mm. etc. And the uh, the Trump thing, but apart from the stunts, it didn't really matter because the story was great and the, the things like the uh, the Jew cake was I was. There were tears running in my face. I was laughing that much. Just the, the complete absurdity of it and the fact that she just let it happen and just went along with it. And you think, yeah, this is... Obviously, these, these kind of films are made to 
make people look stupid, but then you look at the babysitter and how well she came across, and you think, yeah, okay, this film's excellent. Yeah, I'd, I'd said to friend of the podcast, Ash Dolan, um, the babysitter and the uh, elderly Jewish lady might be the best two people in the whole of America. They were incredible. <laughs> like, they were such lovely human beings that with all the other dicks that were in the movie, it sort of restored your faith a little bit. And it definitely needed that, I felt. The big scenes, so the dance, obviously I won't go into too many details for spoiler purposes. The dance scene I found hilarious. I did genuinely laugh out loud at that. But I didn't laugh out loud at a lot of other things in it. It wasn't quite as riotous as the first no, film. No, it wasn't. So that first in the first film where he fights with his producer and he gets his balls in his face and <laughs> that was probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a cinema. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. And this film doesn't have quite that same impact. I felt for a film that was just over 90 minutes, it did feel like there's quite a lot of padding. There's quite a lot of just travelling from one set piece to the next. Uh, I felt that that flow didn't quite work for me at times. Mm -hmm. Um, It was by no means a bad film, but it's a solid six. It's just on the right side of good for me, I think. You were, uh, but, uh, yeah, Maria Bakalova, fucking one. incredible. She was definitely the star of that film for me. And you have which got, was excellent. You have got to give him credit for filming this in a pandemic as well. <laughs> and the absolute madness of just going around making a film with obviously the, the mask situation, whatever, and putting his health at risk, if anything else, is more than usual with these kind of things. Fair play to you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, going and staying with those rednecks for five days, staying in character the whole time. that That's commitment to the cause. But I would have liked to have seen them more because they, however ridiculous they were, they didn't seem like bad people. No. They just seemed mean. like, well, this is... Misguided. Yeah, this is what they know, so this, of course they're going to think like this. But yeah. they didn't seem like they, were, like they were nasty or anything. They just... I would have liked to have seen that. If that scene, because it was, what, two... Between two and five minutes, when he was with them in the house, and it kind of cut between days, and you think, well, I would, I would have liked to have seen that more, but that's just being picky. I mean, obviously, if if he was in character for five days and there was nothing that special happened, then even better that they are just normal people. If a bit misguided, yeah. Mm. To quote the great Mark Corrigan, "You're not a bad person. You're just a moron." <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's kind of how, how it was, really. Um, no, I know, I know what you mean, and like they didn't, it didn't quite have the same amount of like laugh out loud moments, but the story was enough to carry it for me. Um, and it was, just, it was more just a pleasant surprise than anything, because I really thought it was going to be absolute trash. Yeah, definitely. But I think the fact that it, for me, it was more about. Tuta, I think her name, I can't remember yeah, if that's yeah. how it's pronounced. It was very much about her story. That's where the heart was. All of the stuff with Barat was sort of just by the wayside slightly. And that might be because the character of Barat is so well known. Mm-hmm. And obviously they make a joke of that in the film. That he can't be Barat. Yeah, yeah. Almost everybody knows who he is, so it doesn't work. So I think shifting focus onto her made so much more sense. And I've also, it, it's also, <laughs> potential spoiler alert, now I know the way I can get a fleshlight into my house <laughs> without arousing suspicion. 
That, yeah, I did chuckle at that. I thought that was very, very funny. And um, Sasha Baron Cohen shared on Twitter in the last couple of days uh, a clip of the when he was at the rally and they chase him off stage into the back of his production van and they just have to haul ass out really? of there. Yeah, got quite dicey. But, I mean, I, I definitely recommend people to give it a view in. It is, it's interesting. If I'm honest, I'm not quite sure who it's made for because obviously the political message is very much geared towards these right-wing rednecks or idiots don't vote for them. However, I think I don't think this film is going to change anybody's minds no, on that. I think no. people who are going to vote for um, Biden are already going to vote for Biden and those who are going to vote for Trump, they're, they're not even going to watch the film, are they? Let's be honest. <laughs> Just answer the damn questions. So we'll move on to the normal questions of the week. Um, Matt, you're going to kick us off this week. Please. I certainly am. I certainly am. So uh, Christopher Lloyd, for me, underrated as an actor, doesn't get talked about um, potentially because he doesn't necessarily fall into one particular kind of genre, but I think he's a little underrated. So I want to know from you guys, Stu, I'll go with you first, your favourite Christopher Lloyd performance, please. It's not going to be Back to the Future because that's too obvious. Um, but there's <laughs> there's a couple. There's obvious. There's um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, obviously, because that's a childhood thing. But actually, one that when I was when you mentioned this, and I thought, hmm, other than them two, there was there's got to be another one. And it, then it, it, I was looking down the list, and it came to me, and I completely forgot about it. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. And <laughs> you're looking completely gobsmacked. No idea. What? I've never heard of it. I've never heard of it, Stu. No way. Um, apologies. It's, hang on, 1984. You've still, never seen. I'm still, still a twinkle in my dad's eye then. <laughs> yeah, I, without looking and cheating, the, the synopsis adventurer, brain surgeon, rock musician, Buckaroo Banzai, and his crime fighting team. The Hong Kong Cavaliers must stop evil alien invaders from the eighth dimension who are planning to conquer Earth. In this film, there's John Lithgow, Ellen Barkin, Jeff Goldblum, Christopher Lloyd, and Peter Weller. Mm. Okay. It's absolutely Incredible. batshit crazy. And he's not really he's not the main star as Peter Weller is, but he's brilliant in this film. In both Without ruining it's in both guises, but there's there's makeup involved, okay. and it's it's excellent. It's just excellent. Just as as a cult weird film from the eighties, and that I'm a I'm I'm generally lost for words. Andy doesn't know what this film is. No, I've never even heard of it. I'm adding it to the list as we speak. <laughs> I mean, probably just wow. just watch the trailer. I mean, put the trailer in there now. <laughs> it's just it's just weird. Strangely, strangely eighties, but it could have been made in like nineteen seventy one at the same time. Yes. <laughs> is, that a budget, is that a budget thing, or is that? It, yeah, it doesn't look great, but then you know, it, it, um, Clash of the Titans and stuff looks really shit, and you think mm. it was made like in the thirties. Yeah, it's like that in, oh. in places, but it's it's obviously not going to age well for the the time it was made. But yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. Just for the weirdness factor. 
What about you, Andy? What's your favourite uh, performance? Well, I just have to look at the um, the cast on that. It looks incredible. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, as Stu said, it, it's not going to be Back to the Future because that's the obvious choice. The first film that sprang to my mind was Who Framed Roger Rabbit because I think his villain still haunts my nightmares. <laughs> the, the sound when he puts the animated shoe into the dip. Of the squeal. The squeal is just horrendous. But he's such an imposing character that it's great. But for me... It's probably when he played uh, Uncle Fester in the Adams Family films. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, like, I think Values is such a good movie. It's proper underrated. And it just doesn't get the, the recognition that it deserves. But I think he's also excellent in the first one when he still doesn't know who he is and he's this duplicitous character where he's trying to figure out if he's the good guy or if he's the bad guy and he's siding with Joan Cusack. She's Joan Cusack, isn't it? Um, yeah, I just I, in both films, I think he's the standout actor, and they've got some good actors in those films as oh, well. But absolutely, yeah, big fan of the the Adams family. I haven't watched the the latest animated version, but I can't imagine it would be the same. I'd like, I'd quite like to see him bring back Christopher Lloyd as uh, Fester, but obviously, um, Roll Julia's no longer with us, is he? So they'd need to recast. Uh, is that is that the, the one the main with, man. with Christina Ricci? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. They essentially yes. basically need to get um, Kevin Owens and uh, Paige in <laughs> to play to play the grown-up <laughs> version of uh, Pugsley and um, and Wednesday. To be honest, Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. The the um, the chemistry between Gomez, Aral Julia, and, um, and Christopher Lloyd is, is just incredible. They're like he, I watched them both very very recently because um, Sam, my wife, going through a, like a, a Halloween phase at the minute, but watching kind of kids ones. So watching. Like um, the Adams family, and what's the other one? Uh, not bedazzled. Um, the one that's got Did Sarah you? Jessica Parker in it. Um, oh, um, Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. Yeah, watch Hocus. And all you know, kind of the kid-friendly ones. I say kid-friendly. The Witches has been on in our house. That scared the shit out of me when I was little. Um, speaking of which, I think the Anne Hathaway one's out now, um, which I'll need to watch. Um, for me, Christopher Lloyd. I mean. Not a massive part, but um, his part in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest um, mm. was good. And one that I'd never seen, never seen, but watched it when Sam was watching it the other day, was when his, um, his appearance in Dennis the Menace. <laughs> um, when he plays, what's the name? I think it's like, oh, it's, it's something like. I was, about, I was about to say Stabby Pete, and he's definitely not like he's definitely not Stabby Pete. It's something like um, oh, I can't remember what the name is, like Shawshank Charlie or something. Like that. <laughs> but, but he's um, he's a really like fun character to watch get hurt, and that's essentially what you want in um, a villain in a film like Dennis the Menace, like a kids film. Like you just enjoy watching the bad person get hurt, which is half the fun of well, pretty much nearly all the fun of something like Home Alone. Um, you know, mm. you're not watching it for Macaulay Culkin. You're watching it to watch Joe Pesci get the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> so, and I think Christopher Lloyd does a really, really good job um, in that. So, that is going to be my performance for for this question. It's amazing when, obviously, when I was looking into um, his, his recent films, because he's an actor who almost seems to have vanished from the cinemas. Mm-hmm. But when you look into the number of films and what have you that he's done, 
like he hasn't stopped working. It's mostly been onto TV work and um, voice acting, but he's got like 200 odd credits on yeah. IMDb. Like he's a very busy man still. And, you know, he's no spring chicken. No, absolutely not. Switchblade Sam was the name of the character, not <laughs> Hatchet Harry or whatever it was I said. <laughs> he's done a lot of games as well. Yeah, yeah, he has. Yeah. No, he, yeah. He, fully, he fully embraces like the exactly what he is kind of thing. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he did the, the con circuit when that was a thing. Yeah, I think so. I think he's very much embraced and enjoyed his fame and fucking good on him. Cannot blame the fella. Now, he was also in the DuckTales movie. He played uh, the assistant in, in that, and that's one of my favourite animated films. That's one that I still revisit occasionally now. I absolutely love that movie, the, uh, the Treasure of the Lost Lamp. Absolutely incredible. So the next question, that one would be mine. So you've just mentioned The Witches has been remade, as has The Craft. So I would like to know which 90s property needs a new coat of paint and refreshed for the 2020s. Matt, you can kick us off. I would really like to see, and I'm not even I'm not even tying my hands together saying I need a remake. So a sequel would be fine. I would love a remake. Um, Leon the Professional. Um, I l- fucking love that film. It, that was so... When... Um, when I was growing up, me and my brother would go stay with my dad and, um, rightly or wrongly, we'd go to the corner shop at the end of the road, we'd get us a video, we were about 10 years old and it would always be an 18 because that was just our thing. We just watched like, and we watched Leon the Professional and I was like, oh my God, this was just insane. It was super violent, gritty, like action packed. Um, there was this really weird, I was too young to understand chemistry between Natalie Portman um, oh. and and it was just, oh, I just love to see what they could do with that film now. Go with, like with, with with the effects that they could do now, um, and not CGI because that that would be the completely wrong look for the film. But just what they could do with it on a grander scale with a bigger budget. Um, the the biggest challenge for me would be, I don't know who you were going to get to replace Gary Oldman in that film because his um, his performance was just spectacular. I don't think anybody could be a good villain in that role as he was in Leon. Um, I just think it was it was so cool compared to then films that were out like Golden Eye and things like that that were so hokey in camp. But then on, you had but then you had Leon <laughs> that like had almost like the same kind of tubular bells music in it, but it was about this like hitman who didn't give a shit, but was so broody. And I just think this, they could do a really good job with it now, whoever whoever it, you know would pick that up. And I'd love to see it. And I, that, that'd be a day one releaser for me, 100%. I've never, I've never heard it being called that before. I just thought, oh, I just knew it was Leon. <laughs> I so, think it's like either known as Leon or The Professional. And I'm just that kind of guy that calls it Leon The Professional. And when I, when I typed it into IMDb, because I was really confused, it did come up as Leon The Professional. And then you click on it and it just says Leon. <laughs> So it's it's what it's like the an Avengers Assemble situation again. Potentially. Yeah, I think that's what it is. And this also explains your massive hard on for Natalie Portman as well, then, doesn't it, Matt? It's it's like it's, he likes her as um, a child. She's she <laughs> He I, was a child as well, so I, that is yeah, fine. I'm I'm gonna point that out at this point. <laughs> I me and me and Natalie have, have travelled together through 
puberty and through my adolescence, Natalie's been by my side the whole time. I was more impressed with Jean Renault. <laughs> <to be> <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see him in um, Onimusha Three? And he, he was a he was a guest star in the, the Onimusha Three game, which is obviously a game about feudal no, Japan. I've seen the the scene in question, but I haven't seen it, and it's 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 quite mad. Yeah, he's, I mean, he was quite fat at the time as well, so they've obviously slimmed him down a bit in the game. But it was very very weird. I like Onimusha back in the day, but yeah, every time I think of Leon, it always reminds me of that game, just because he he was completely out of place. Because he went to modern day, and it was genre now. It is a weird one. Uh, so, which film or films would you like to see uh, given a reboot in the modern day? There was one that came to mind straight away that was had loads of promise, and with and like we made a bit of CG and stuff. But CG and practical effects kind of worked together in the first place with this, but it was just never done properly, and that's Waterworld. Okay, yeah. Which the idea, superb, but it's so camp and shit that it's just it, it's just not it's just not very good, is it? it? It's one of those things where the idea is better than the actual finished product, and I think with especially with the kind of end of the world, well, I'm gonna say situation now, let alone people being like The Last of Us and The Road and things like that about and the um, Horizon Zero Dawn. PS4, PS5, things like that being in vogue, then something after what we have now would be pretty cool to do with modern day stuff and a proper, well, say a proper budget, but it was the most expensive film for years, wasn't it, after it was made? Yeah, it was. And it was just a massive, I mean, I, re- I remember really looking forward to it and then we went to see it and it was just a massive disappointment. Mm. But maybe I'm just clinging to that fact that I, I wanted to see it done properly. <laughs> but the idea is pretty cool. I think that's a good shout because you are right. There is um, a, a seed of a good idea in there and it just wasn't delivered. So for myself, so the, the genesis of this actually came from Stu when you mentioned the other week about Enemy of the State. It got me thinking that actually Enemy of the State would be the perfect film that you could update to now. And rather it being about a government spying on its people, you could actually do it with... Facebook and social media companies tracking people and it could be a critique of the social media age and I'd probably go with someone like um, John Boyega or Naomi Thompson in the lead role and that'd be great but that isn't my answer my answer is a film that is kind of great and kind of terrible at the same time and it's Showgirls this was the reason (laughs) I spent last night watching Showgirls to remind myself that's why you're all red yeah so the trailer for the new Save by the Bell series drops um, yesterday. And like when I grew up, I was obsessed with Jessie Spano. I, I loved her. I thought she was incredible. And Showgirls kind of ruined my childhood because <laughs> it was it was not good seeing her like that. But actually, when you see films like A Star is Born and that, I think you could make Showgirls into a Star is Born type serious drama about someone who wants to be famous and growing up and struggling with their their loss in life. So she she moves to Vegas because her life has been pretty shit. She's like I say, it's a stripper who gets a chance to be a dancer. And I think you could tell a really good story there. I mean, you could even go as far as casting someone like Lady Gaga in the main role. Or if you wanted to go a bit younger, someone like um, Sophie Turner. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think you could make a really good Oscar bait type of film with it. Or you could go completely the other way and just dive into the camp aspects of the movie. The real campus tits nonsense. And just go with someone like Amber Heard. Because <laughs> I, I remember back in the 90s, you had all of these sexy, erotic drama thrillers. You know, stuff like um, Crash, the one with James Spader, or Colour of Love, which if you haven't seen Colour of Love, I implore you, you need to watch it. It's bananas. And we don't have those films anymore, and I kind of miss them because they're so, so schlocky and so shitty. And you could do that with Showgirls quite easily if you were to remake it in the modern day. Chuck Amber Heard in there because she's incredible and she's batshit insane as well. She'd be the perfect uh, perfect modern day Nomi. So yeah, it's uh, Showgirls for me. I think it needs a 2020 refresh. I haven't seen Showgirls for years. I think... I, I, I've seen it a couple of times because it's had a recent reappraisal over the last sort of five, ten years. And yeah, I watched it again last night. And I've got to say that in the hands it? of a better yeah, in the hands of a better director, Paul Verhoeven was not the right man to make that movie. He's a very good director, but that's not his uh, bread and butter for me. Yeah, no enough arms being blown off, he said. Exactly. That's that's exactly it needs to be Robocop and nothing else. <laughs> so the final question, that's on to yourself, Stuart. Yeah, and this has been dedicated, I suppose you could say, since uh, regular listener Goldie was mentioned earlier. Had, uh, him and Daniel had a baby boy, who's, as the time this goes out, he's now a week old. So, in honour of uh, Jacob Graham Hall Gold, this is, I was thinking about kids' stuff. And the question was, what kids' film do you still like from when you was a child? Matthew. Stuart, um, my film, uh, love this film, and it, sta- it really stands the test of time because its gags are timeless. It is George, George, George of the Jungle. Watch out for that tree. Uh, George of the Jungle, absolutely love this film. When Disney Plus came out, I downloaded the app for my Xbox, set up an account just to watch <laughs> George of the Jungle because I just love it. I just think it's, it, it, it reminds me of just all the best things about, like, going away, going on holiday, taking a video with you so you can watch when you're in the caravan kind of thing. We'd take George of the Jungle. Whenever we were, whenever I was off school, we'd watch George of the Jungle as like a, as like a, as like a film. So, you know, like you, you just watch a film when you're young, you just watch it over and over and over again. And it'd always be George of the Jungle. I don't know why I can't explain <laughs> it. I just can't explain it. There's no right, there's no right answer to explain it, but it's just, it, it laughs at itself. It go, it like, it goes beyond the fourth wall at times. It's got, comedy singing monkeys what's that not to like about that it's slapstick and you know um it's just i, I can't explain it i don't think i don't i can't I don't, I don't know how to justify it to you it's, it's just pure fun it's pure fun it's pure unadulterated mm. disney fun and i was never like a disney guy growing up like i, I hadn't seen like lion king till i was like well older I've, half of the disney films that people love i've either not seen or only ever seen once because George of the Jungle was the one for me. That was that was what Disney was, um, and I just love that film. Now I'll probably watch it when this is finished because we're talking about it. <laughs> and it, it also came out in '97. <laughs> Did it? We were, yes. How old would I have been in '97? I'd have been eight. So yeah, but just about the right kind of time. Sickening me. 
You know, the worrying thing is, like the way you just spoke about George of the Jungle, I that's how I feel about Child's Play 2. <laughs> <laughs> As a, a younger guy, like I would have probably been maybe around 10 or 11, I would watch Child's Play consistently. I knew it word for word. I even counted how many times they said fuck in that film. I, I knew it back to front. It's a film I love, even to this day, and I will revisit it. I love it. But I don't think Goldie should be showing Jacob that film anytime soon, <laughs> if I'm perfectly honest. Uh, the film that I still adore to this day, Labyrinth. I just, yeah. like you say, it, it's probably not the best film ever made for kids, but it's one that... When as soon as you put it on, you've just got to smile the whole way, whole way through. The acting is sublime. It's campus tits, but it's it's fun. It's inviting. It's heartwarming. It's, it's just everything you want in a film. It's a big sprawling action adventure. Like you realise how big the world is out there, and I just I love it. I've got no rhyme or reason for it other than it's just an incredible movie. Can I ask a question? Hmm. Was, is it you remind me of the babe no <laughs> <laughs> was barry on your radar before you saw labyrinth probably not so would this have been your introduction to him then do you think i think so yeah so that's really interesting so. that is really interesting because i'd love to have known like so i i hadn't seen labyrinth until i was quite a bit older um than so, so, well, i wasn't a child when labyrinth was out i don't i, I don't know when was labyrinth out do you know like, was it the eighties? Yeah, so, so I, I wouldn't, mm. I wouldn't have been born then. So, um, just to see like David Bowie as that character, as the Goblin King, must have just been like, depending on how young you were, terrifying, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would have been like really, really interesting to see that that you know be your introduction to obviously an icon in music. Mm, I'd have probably been about seven or eight when I saw it for the first time. Yeah. Um, it was released in eighty six. And it would have been early 90s when I got round to it. And, yeah, that probably would have been the first first introduction to Barry because I think my only musical knowledge prior to that would have been Michael Jackson and Moonwalker. Oh, dear me. Yeah, exactly. That's a film <laughs> so, in yeah, itself. So, La- yeah, Labyrinth. And, and it, Labyrinth is one I still return to now. I've got some artwork of the scene where he tells her that he doesn't – he moves the world for no one. I just – I love it. Like, like I say, no rhyme or reason. It's just a damn good film. Is it possibly the biggest crotch on on screen as well? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that that cod piece is like he'd <laughs> be arrested for that. Yeah, it's like offensive. <laughs> Thank God we did, they didn't have 3D technology the way we know it now. <laughs> what about yourself, Stu? Um, so I had a few. I mean, the one that a lot of them I, I realised that was because I watched it with my granddad. So things like I've mentioned it before, the Thief of Baghdad. Which is a, f- a film from the forties, mm. um, yeah. very kind of stop motion animation, kind of Jason and the Argonauts kind of thing. Mm. Um, and then you got things like Short Circuit, obviously. Oh, brilliant. And I was going to say Land Before Time, the first one, not the seventh or ninth or whatever it's on now. But one that I kept, again kept coming back to was Flight of the Navigator. Great which film. It's just one of them, one of them films that just don't get made anymore for whatever reason, and 
it's all, always seems to be like in E.T. shadow kind of thing and, mm. and which the Witch Mountain films and I just really remember just really loving that film and I, I saw it about five six years ago again and it's still the same. It's probably if you put it on for anyone now, it's probably camp and rubbish. But as a kid watching that about someone a kid who jumps into a spaceship and goes on an adventure and then he's been gone for God knows how long. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> before they navigate from the 80s yeah it was just something about the, the fantastical about it and it, I remember it being really well done as well at the time and I, I had this like in the summer holidays we'd, we'd have things like um, his granddad would bring just cardboard boxes home and I'd cut them up and make a kind of navigation panel <laughs> in, in the um, in the bedroom window and sit there and look at the window and pretend I was in the scene and I don't remember any other film doing that. So it was it was really, really easy. When I came to it, I thought, yeah, Flight to the Navigator is the one that... I haven't seen it over and over again, but again, like I do with the things I really like, other than Transformers, obviously, there's the mention. Um, I don't watch them over and over again because I like them too much and I don't want to ruin it. So yeah. if for some reason you haven't seen Flight to the Navigator, just go and watch it and pretend you're a child while you do it. Interesting. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I've just noticed looking at my list and the honourable mentions that I had, they've all got sort of like a kind of sci-fi horror bend to them. <laughs> so like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, wonderful. I mean, I fucking love Rick Moranis and Hollywood's a worse place for not having him in it anymore. I find that quite sad that he, he sort of gave up on it. And what happened to him the other week as well. Yes, that was quite uh, quite distressing, but at least he's doing well, thankfully. Ghostbusters is also on my list. Ghostbusters is great, and I fully expect that as soon as Jacob is old enough, that will be the first film that uh, Goldie will show him. Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? And a film called Little Monsters with Fred Savage. <laughs> yeah, that, that's also on my list. The only one that isn't a, of that sort of genre is The Little Mermaid, which is probably my favourite animated film ever. That's the only one that isn't got kind of like a horror sort of bent to it. Well... So it's, uh, Ursula's pretty horrifying when you're a kid. I mean, oh yes, yeah, good point. Mm. But have you seen the um, the other two? They're not actually that bad. I've not. I've only ever seen the original and, and left the others too. They are They've just been of their time. They're both on Disney Plus remastered, so they are worth worth checking. They're only about seventy, eighty minutes long. I believe Kristen Bell does the voice in at least one of them. The new, so the I'll, new I'll probably one. give it a chance. Do you like a bit of Kristen Bell, to be honest? She's one of us. She's the reason I, I hate Dak Shepard, because he's married to her, and it's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask for something unusual now, Andy, if it's okay with you. Mm. I want to throw a special bonus question out there. Go on, is then. Is that okay? Of course. Unprecedented, this is. <laughs> Based on some of the things we've already said today. Okay. It's one I might send to our friends at a daft question and get them to thrash out as well because it's like be interested to hear their views. How long is it socially acceptable to leave it for somebody before you're allowed to discuss a film or a TV show before it becomes spoilers? What's the acceptable time frame? I'd say. Do you give people a week? No, because. People it depends. Are, yeah, people are... What medium if, if it's, it's on, I guess. If it's a blockbuster film, say like Endgame, mm-hmm. or... Now, 
say Infinity War and you didn't want to spoil what happened at the end of Infinity War, if you haven't watched it in the first two or three weeks and you need to have a look at yourself, if you're that bothered about it, then... <laughs> yes. Yeah. Then you, you can't be moaning about it, really, for something mm-hmm. like that. But yeah. I think just things like... I don't know, just, just random, like random films that you're just watching. Like when I, I watched... I could have mentioned it earlier, like The Prestige, which, ridiculously, I'd never seen in my entire life because I don't like magicians. Um, and... I hadn't had that spoiled for me at all, amazingly, in the whole time it was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. If someone had told me what had happened in that film, then it would be my own fault because it's 16 years old. Yeah, I get you. Mm. So for me, it, for, for new releases, I'd say three weeks if it's something like, if it's a conversation point. But if if it's just a random, like, I don't know, like the colour of water or something like that, then you got to give it at least two years for to seep onto telly and streaming services for me anyway okay andy i I say give it a month to an extent i agree i say give it a month because if it's something that you're that bothered about you will make the effort to go and see it so if you don't want avengers spoiling you're going to be there within a month because you don't want to risk having it spoiled Mm -hmm. anything after that i find is fair game with tv shows it does depend on the medium i think if it's on netflix yeah and they, they dump the whole series in one day. Again, I'd say probably a month to get through the whole season. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's a weekly show, I think you've if you've not seen last week's episode by the time the new one's out, that's fair game. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say that's probably fair. I'd say that's, yeah, I agree with both of you, to be honest. The, re- the reason I bring it up is because I'm forever plighted with watching the kind of wrestling events that are on at t- midnight to 4am and having to avoid social media for days, and I'll get it ruined somehow by foolishly thinking I can like not see spoilers and companies like, you know, AW really crap for this is they, their Instagram posts will all like mm. minutes after the event's been on, will be flooded with like actual spoilers of the events. And I know it's different because it's, it's, it's a sport, quote unquote sport. Um, so it's different, but yeah, I'm just interested to see where you guys were with that. I yeah, that. I remember um, walking dead, spoiling the death of one of their characters. Literally, they died on screen and then put out a post on Twitter or whatever. And mm. a colleague of mine at the time, she was a big fan. And she knew, like, within two hours of it ending, and we didn't get to see it for another day. Yeah, that's shit. So I think that's really shitty when they do that. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, that there is the other situation as well, which is very niche. But like things like E3 and stuff like that, when gaming events where... If you don't watch it on Twitch live or on YouTube live or whatever, and you wait and wait for it to be uploaded as the video, and then in the vi- in the actual video, the thumbnail for the video, they spoil the surprise of the event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then what, what? What? Why? Just why? Just put like a, a shock face or something. Which a few of them have started doing it this year, especially when because it's all been different and it's all been remote anyway. Um. There's been no spoilers in the the thumbnail, but things like silly things like that. That if that's like what like you just said, within hours, then you gotta say no, clearly not. Mm. You gotta yeah. you gotta give that a bit of time. Especially like when you're talking about stuff that has worldwide appeal, because mm-hmm. not everybody is going to be able to watch something that is on at I don't know eight o'clock UK time, 
that's going to be what midday in America, people will be at work, or it's yeah, going to yeah. be midnight over in uh, I don't know the, the Middle East. I'm not 100% sure what the, the time difference is, but you, you do have to be considerate of that. And the world is getting smaller with these things. It, it it's no longer a case of a film being released any longer in the US, and then it's the UK six months later. If anything, we might get it before them, or it's a same day release. Well, it's like the Mandalorian. If we hadn't all nicked it and downloaded it on Torrent today, it would have been mm. completely ruined for us. And that was Disney's fault because they fucked us over. Yeah. yeah. We're now we're getting Doing it. that. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, getting, we're getting the same date on, well, first episode as has already gone up when you listen to this. Um, so at least that's it's day and date for everyone, which is fine. So if, I think it has to be announced yeah. anyway forward. Yeah. No, that's fair. Thank you guys for answering that bonus question. Just something that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a moral dilemma for some people. So if you take anything away from this podcast, don't spoil things for other people, you shits. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got to say, sometimes finding out a spoiler for a film mm-hmm. makes me go and watch the film. Really? I, I never get that RC about finding, especially if it's one that's older. Mm-hmm. So like with um, Sixth Sense, I don't think I was ever particularly fussed about seeing it. Somebody told me what the uh, the spoiler was. I was like, oh, that sounds really good. I'm going to go and watch it now. Oh, okay. It actually drove me to, to watch it. But on the other way, if I know there's a twist for something, I won't even bother. Because just knowing mm. there's a twist ruins it. Ruins the yeah. twist because you know one's coming. Way through. Yeah, yeah. I oh, see. I'm not like that. I'm quite happy to just enjoy the ride and see where it takes us. See how they get there rather than... But yeah, that... Life is about the journey, not the destination, Andy. <laughs> Damn right. Where's your, live, where's your live, laugh, love decal on the wall? <laughs> it's a, that's the wall where the camera is, so we can't see you. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's us done for another week, ladies and gents. If you enjoy what we do, can we please ask that you take a minute and go to wherever you listen and just leave us a review? It helps get our podcast seen by other people. I can't tell you how much this tiny act would actually help us out. It would be fantastic. So up next week, we have got a couple of films. We're going for something, I say sci-fi, because we're going to be looking at knowing. And we're also going to be looking at colour out of space. And I'm not quite sure that fits in sci-fi, but I'm not sure where it does fit. It is a unique film, shall we say. It's... um. Yeah, it's a head scratcher. But obviously that's for next week. So give them a watch and then you can uh, listen along with us next week. So for this week, Stu, would you like to say goodbye? I'll eat a bat with you. Goodbye. (laughs) Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, guys. Stay safe. And it's goodbye from me. And remember, be excellent to each other. You fist me. <laughs> now I fist you? Right, there you what go. do you prefer? You fist me or I fist you? Same time. Fist each other. There yeah, you go. There you go.